Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the U.S. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it is my absolute pleasure today to be joined by one of the, uh, let, me, let me think how to say this, one of the veteran functional chiropractors in the world, uh, Dr. Skip George from La Jolla, California. Skip, how's it going? Oh, Josh, thanks so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, now, Skip, well. yeah. you're a chiropractor, but you're also faculty with the PRI, the Postural Restoration Institute, uh, as well as treating people every day in your performance facility down there in beautiful San Diego area. Um, and you've been through all iterations of human movement at the highest and lowest levels. Is that right? Well, and still exploring. I don't think it ever uh, stops for all of us, especially this group that are pushing the envelope and always progressive, looking at new ways to uh, be better and, and help our patients. Yeah, uh, it's, it's exciting. I mean, just what the possibilities are and what you can figure out, it's, it's unbelievable. It really is. It makes you appreciate the um, amazing machine that is the human body, huh? Well, and also we're living in such a great time as chiropractors, athletic trainers, physical therapists, strength and conditioning folks. Um, we've got all these great tools now. I mean, just look what's been developed since, for instance, you uh, graduated from school. Uh, you yeah. came out with ART and Graston. And since then, we've had Gray Cook and FMS, um, SFMA. Um, you know, we've got DNS. There are so many approaches now um, yeah. that are available, some really, uh, I think, significant tools. And so part of my journey was to look at all these different tools to implement them. And luckily for me anyway, what resonated for me was the Postural Restoration Institute. Well, that's fantastic because I love how that's, that is just a uh, fundamental thing that spreads all it doesn't care what your license is, right? It's just applicable no. to humans. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, Skip, how long have you been a chiropractor? Well, I almost hate to say it because uh, I've been practicing longer than most of your listeners and <clears throat> participants have been alive, I'm sure. But I started practice in 1980. Okay. Now, and uh, so it's yeah, go ahead. Know, go ahead. Now, 40 years. Um, and one of the things you and I talked about during my uh, chiropractic years, I was actually managing a gym up in Los Angeles. It was called Vince's Gym, kind of a famous old bodybuilding gym that was uh, not co-ed. It was part of the West Coast sort of counterculture of Muscle Beach and uh, Arnold and uh, all of those people that came out of the 70s. So, um, that opened my eyes up to fitness. Vince Gironda was really ahead of his time in terms of nutrition. Um, I learned the dark side of fitness at the time. I was a naive uh, 20-year-old, 21-year-old. And uh, I always wondered, well, how the heck do these guys get so big? Chicken breasts and broccoli? and Absolutely. And this guy really good water. <laughs> this guy, exactly. Bigger hot spiller. I'll never forget him. He's still up in L.A. He's the private investigator. <laughs> And he was one of those guys that rode in on a chopper. And I said, Barry, how come these guys get so big? He, he laughed at me and he said, kid, you know what big D is? I said, no, Diana Ball. Do you know what Winster all is? No. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the point is, it was an education from a naive perspective as I was going into a natural healing art called chiropractic. Um, and now, did uh, that, that experience at the gym, is that what drove you to be a chiropractor? Were you already on that path? Like, how did that work yeah, out? You listen, my good friend, Bob Slade, who was working there, was going, was in chiropractic school. 
he, he had that job uh, and put him through chiropractic school. And he said, hey, kid, I'm going to uh, be moving on. Do you need this job? You can work and go to school. I said, heck, yeah. But I had never worked out really like this before. All of a sudden, I'm working out using Visteranda's formula without the steroids. Okay? I was going to say, when you say formula, what, what yeah. exactly is the formula? The formula was his workout formula, good nutrition, lots of uh, supplements, vitamin supplements, and, um, you know, it's, it's essential fatty acids, <laughs> Argentinian desiccated beef liver. And uh, oh, God. all of a sudden, here I am. Uh, 90 days later, I've got muscles. And I said, where the heck did these come from? So that's what I meant by his formula worked. Um, but um, yeah, this is, I, I mean, I, I dabbled a little bit in a, in a few different uh, supplements when I was a kid in high school. So it's like mid nineties. Yeah. And I don't know if people remember this, but when you said beef liver powder, uh, the people don't know what a luxury, is, what a luxury it is when your supplements actually mix with water. Cause I was taking like metrics back in the day, which mixed with yeah. water about as well as beach sand did, you know, you, would, <laughs> you had to keep yeah. swirling it and swirling it and swirling it, then chug and the swirl, 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 chug to get, you choke it down. You know, it was just, it was horrible. So. Well, back uh, in the seventies, like I said, it was these uh, tablets of, of desiccated beef lever, but they also had this stuff called uh, liquamone yeah. and liquamone. Really what it was, was boiled, bovine organ meat and then they put the concentrated juice and it tasted as nasty as it sounds but that was what was offered in terms of supplements during that day um it was a little bit i'd say uh dark ages for the supplement industry yeah that's that's how you knew you were committed right is if you were willing to choke that down you're probably interested in getting big and you know after you know crunching down a desiccated beef liver, you know, your breath is lousy all day long, but that was the price to pay to put on muscle mass. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, you, you, you take it for granted when you're in your teens and twenties and even thirties later on, it's much harder to put on muscle mass, but it's possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I remember having a, the first time I had a myoplex shake from, uh, God, what was that company? Bill Phillips company. Anyways, EAS. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh my God, this is a strawberry milkshake. Like that's what it tasted like. And it was like easy to get supplements then. Um, and uh, what was that? Super orange or that pre-workout stuff, but man, beef liver and, and oh yeah, it, you, you went through the rough stages. So anyways, <laughs> so you went through that, you, you put on some muscle, you saw a lot of people training, uh, yeah. you go to chiropractic college. Now what like, what was your approach just in chiropractic college compared to all the other people that were kind of next to you in class? I mean, were you seeing a lot of different side of human performance and, and ability? Well, um, you know, when I got out of chiropractic school, that's a good question. We, let me just kind of talk about what we had for tools. It wasn't much. So, when I was in clinic in chiropractic school, Cleveland Chiropractic College at the time, um, Cleveland Senior, who had graduated from Palmer College in 1917, was still roaming the halls at 88 years old. And what you couldn't do was have somebody lying on their back to give them a rotary cervical adjustment. They had to be lying prone, and you did this old school adjustment called Merrick. So we'd have a guard at the door and and then flip somebody supine, adjust them so we weren't caught. So that was this sort of um, very, in a way, restrictive and proprietary way that limited us as chiropractors. In other words, there was no thinking outside the box. You followed the form hard bone on a soft nerve, and you turn the power on. Now, I'm going to sound a little sacrilegious here, but I never bought that. It seemed so oppressive to me. So when I graduated from chiropractic school, I became a mixer where I had, you know, therapy and corrective exercise and 
different types of adjustments, whether it be Gonstead, Diversified. I dabbled in so many things. So I was practicing during the Mercedes 80s, as people may have heard. We had volume practices with ample insurance until that game ran out in the mid-90s. But that's when you were able to pay off all your, uh, I'm sure you paid off all your loans, your house, your car, bought the (laughs) private jet, uh, stocked the freezer with Wagyu beef and whatnot. Had to sell the private jet as soon as managed care came. I can't. Such a sad story. I know. But I mean, it's, (laughs) here's the thing, Josh, when I went to chiropractic school, and this is going to be painful to hear for many young chiropractors, you could, chiropractic school was actually affordable. And Vince's gym wasn't the only job I had. Heck, I was serving summonses for um, a small claims court for a plumbing company. I was working at the Griffith Park Observatory. I was doing anything I could to survive. I had a cheap apartment in the Hollywood Hills. And I didn't come out. Back when there were cheap apartments in the Hollywood Hills. You got it. It was a (laughs) guest house. And I lived in that time where I could actually scrape by on about 400 bucks a month and pay my tuition. Wow. I also worked the last two years for a chiropractor out at Universal Studios area, uh, Dr. H.J. Terwilliger. He's passed on. He was an old-time chiropractor, great guy, and he paid me 200 bucks a week under the table. Now, 800 bucks back then was like the best. 8,000 bucks this nowadays? It's, yeah, it's, it's a lot of money. I don't know how much it is, but 800 bucks a month was livable. I could, I could pay for everything and save probably 50 bucks a month. So I'm grateful to have that helping hand and to be um, also to an appreciation of the kind of practice he had. Um, He had one of those old school chiropractic practices where you spend time with people, but somehow he would see 50 patients a day while he was taking his time. I don't know how he did it, but he had a style and a bedside manner and a healing touch. And I think that's what I learned more than anything else is that the intention and focus uh, uh, matters more than whatever technique you're using to a point. Nice. Ultimately, in 1995, I burned out. I got tired of playing the numbers game. And I said, there's got to be more than just hitting the high spots and getting paid for it. I didn't think I was being effective or living up to my potential. However, I was stuck in a box. So I took a year off and decided to go back. And I actually was a chiropractor in a health club. And that's when I started getting exposed to things like ART, Paul Check, ultimately Yonda. And then I opened up my new practice, my second practice, in a different location in 2000. Okay. Well, Skip, you're forgetting, uh, if, if you're yeah. living in the Hollywood Hills through the uh, Mercedes 80s, yeah. you know, you, you say I burned out what, you know, that was at the same time as a big hairband. So I picture you living the uh, big hairband lifestyle. You wake up in a bed that's full of women. There's cocaine powder everywhere. <laughs> you know, there's, there's lingerie hanging from the chandelier. And, and you kind of look around and say, I got to do something different, right? That's what burnout meant in the mid nineties. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually I left the Hollywood. I grew up in Hollywood. So I was around all that and never, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a little story about an 18 year old Skip George. Okay. And your viewers can hear, hear this. Um, I'm 18. I'm with my girlfriend after I graduate from college. I don't have a clue of what I'm going to do. If you ever saw that um, movie, uh, Bull Durham, right? Remember yeah. that well, I was a little like the Tim Robbins character, a pitcher on the mound, kind of a clueless airhead. I'm out of high school thinking, man, I'm sitting on top of the world. So I'm at a party, and I wasn't much of a pot smoker, but I was smoking pot that night on a Saturday night out in the San Fernando Valley, and I'm sitting there laughing with a friend of mine, and all of a sudden I start hallucinating. And I'm hallucinating, I'm tripping. I'd only smoked pot about five or six times. And back in the day, uh, there wasn't much in terms of of good pot. Let's put it that way. Not that I'm a pot connoisseur. I'm certainly not. But it's not these super breeds they have now, right? No, no way. And um, 
that put a rapid end into any desire <laughs> to go into any further into a drug, the drug culture. Hell, I didn't have a beer for a year. So going back to the burnout, actually, my burnout came down in San Diego. Um, and it was after practicing for 15 years. And I woke up, well, I'm making all this money, but it doesn't seem to be very satisfying. What would be more fulfilling in terms of practice? And that, yeah. that really put me on my search to find what is uh, personally and professionally fulfilling about what I do. And I don't want to spend my career just focused on what I'm going to get. I really want to have a skill. So I started searching and I started searching within chiropractic, for instance, doing the ACRB um, level one rehab uh, program, learning more about Yonda. Um, I looked into, yeah, go ahead. I want to go back real quick. Sure. Uh, because I think you're condensing a lot of stuff that I'm sure a lot of folks here, like that now when you say I'm, I'm searching, I'm finding stuff, it's real easy because we have Instagram and Facebook and the internet and you can say, you know, functional chiropractic or strength right. training. We just search terms. You didn't have that back then. So if you're thinking about like from this time when you're like, hey, I need to find something else, how did you go about finding what at the time I'm going to guess are still like the, the fringe elements, right? The, 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 oh, um, man. I don't know how to say it, the weirdos, like, Hey, this isn't the normal chiropractic. What, what's going on here? How did you, you kind of stumble across them the first time? And who was, who was the first? <laughs> That's a really a great question. You know, when I sold my practice in 1995, after having it for 15 years, the gym I was working out at and had a practice in, at the time it was called Personalized Workout of La Jolla. There's a guy in there that some of your listeners know. His name is T.C. Loma uh, with Testosterone Magazine. Now it is, you know, a, a website. And T.C. Loma, uh, otherwise known as the Atomic Dog, and I became good friends. And so he turned me on to uh, Active Release Technique, ART. I took my first course there, uh, or took my first course in ART in 1999, and met a guy there who was just getting out of the Marine Corps, a guy by the name of John Swain, who was a, a trainer. And John wow. and I uh, became pretty good friends, and we opened up uh, what is now my practice in La Jolla. So he, did the, he does training, and I did chiropractic and training and rehab. And so both of us were looking at ways to expand and grow. And I remember one day he was looking at FMS. I said, what's that? And I took an FMS course, went to uh, the Perform Better Summit, started immersing myself in a different world. So the 2000s were um, really going into this exploration via Perform Better, um, and also, ultimately, I knew Craig Liebenson, and I knew Craig from the ACRB mm-hmm. rehab, uh, you know, rehab program. Yeah, I I had taken a um, Craig Liebenson, Charlie Weingroff. They did a weekend seminar up in Santa Monica back about I don't know sixteen years ago, and then one day in March of two thousand twelve. I went to one of Craig's seminars down in Phoenix and he had his, um, I think it's called his Magnificent Eight. It's his way to assess. We were having lunch and he was talking about DNS and PRI came up. And I said, what's that? And as he described it, I became really intrigued. So John Swain, the guy, my office mate, uh, share office space with, uh, he and I decided, let's go down and, and take a course on PRI. My first course was a course called Postural Respiration. And it blew my mind. In fact, um, I was at a place very comfortable in my practice, and I thought, oh, man. I mean, at that point, I am very comfortable. I'm in my 50s thinking, why rock the boat? But yeah. I, I couldn't help myself. So well, let me let me go back real quick, Skip. So when you were sitting there with Craig, and 
you know, I've had meals with Craig as well. And mm-hmm. um, the guy can't help himself, but to tickle every, every edge of your brain between his ideas and, and dropping names and approaches and whatnot, you know, it's like, it's like talking to a chess master about how he's going to play the board. Right. And you're like, God, my brain yeah. hurts after this, but, um, and he's incredible. He's an incredible encyclopedia, not just of methods and principles, but also of the people and the stories of how they all came about. Right. Right. So what was it that he said there that tickled your brain so much about PRI specifically? Like, did he present a patient case that you had actually been seeing a bunch of times and we're like, Oh my God, uh, I see that all the time. This explains everything. You know, sometimes we, <laughs> somebody, somebody brings a filter to something and you step back. I've had this, this situation with Greg Rose where he talks about something and all of a sudden I go, I, I've had 30 of those people over the last you know, few months. Oh my God. He, he, that's the solution, you know, and I'm, and it, it, it makes you want to run to that seminar. You know, I remember yeah. a, a seminar, I was on the phone searching on my crappy phone at one point with my wife driving. And I'm like, Hey, I turned her, babe. Uh, I know we got plans next weekend, but actually I need to go to uh, uh, Salt Lake city for this course. And it was like, with such <laughs> conviction, she like looked at me kind of frowned. and was like, okay. Like she could see on my face. There was no other option at, at that moment. Short of a funeral or a wedding that I was not going to attend that course. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. You know, Craig, it was great. Um, You know, he's got such a great personality, but he said something, and this was in jest, of course, how he said it. He said, man, um, works to the effect that PRI is kind of wide and deep. And he said, and he was laughing, he says, and that scares me. (laughs) And he said, you know, I'm so into what I'm doing. Uh, and the meaning was, uh, you know, Craig wasn't scared, but he was saying that, boy, that's just another rabbit hole for him to go to. And he's got plenty on his plate. But sure. when he said that, and then he said something else, he said, you know, this PRI thing, they talk about the diaphragm and they talk about the diaphragm on one side of the body is a different shape than the other side. It's as if there's two diaphragms. I thought, oh. I never thought of it that way. So when Craig said that, it put a hook in me and I'll never forget it. So I don't know if Craig knows that. I should, I should call him up and let him know that, you know, we haven't talked in a while, but I do email him occasionally, invite him to a course and come on, Craig, come to a course now. So I hope he does. But I really, uh, you know, I'm grateful for, to Craig for saying that it was a, he didn't know it, but it was a life altering uh, change. And also my friend, John Swain, uh, he's very innovative for a trainer. He is what I would consider a hybrid practitioner, somebody that's very knowledgeable about training, a massage therapist, so he can go hands-on, and he's always studying. He's going into nutrition, hormone profiles, and, you know, he lives that life of fitness. Uh, Plus he's a, yeah. he's a, a Marine and uh they don't accept no when they run into problems. So that's a great, that's a great skill to have. Well, you're a retired Marine. You're never a former Marine. Right. Yeah. Um, I think there's so, another San Diego uh, based Marine. That, mindset. So, yeah. you know, having, having that. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and I think we're having a little bit of lag issue here. I apologize to the listeners. Uh, but there's another Marine down there in San Diego that, uh, you know, wouldn't take no and, ended up developing, uh, the, uh, Igoscu, Pete Igoscu was kind of the same thing, right? Got out of the Marine Corps and was like, I need to fix my body. Let's figure some stuff out. So the Marine Corps seems to produce a lot of problem solvers in the world of human performance. Yeah. And I want to just, you know, shout out one name in New York city, talk about a Marine, a, an immigrant from Hong Kong, two tours of duty um, Mike Zhao, Mike Zhao, Z-H-A-O in New York. He's another Marine. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. I met him through PRI. So that focused mindset, um, I think is inspiration for everybody. You know, it's just complete the mission, whatever it is. And, uh, so those have been some, some really, you know, going back to what you were saying, how did I, how was I exposed? Um, like I said, the big exposure that one of them was that 
lunch with Craig, meeting T.C. Loma, um, having an experience with John Swain. And then all of a sudden the doors were opened. You know, I knew Paul Check, all these folks. So I've been really fortunate in that I've had a lot of influences and, and mentors along the way. And I appreciate knowing Gray Cook and Phil Plisky and um, all those guys with FMS and SFMA as I was going through that process and so, adding that to my tool belt. And then, you know, going to my first uh, PRI course taught by James Anderson, and it blew my mind. It just... Um, yeah, I want to I dive in there because, yeah. you know, a lot of people that go through PRI now are our students and it's awesome that they, they have this. And I see this in SFMA and FMS, um, you know, all the, all the awesome three letter courses we have access to now, MPI, DNS, um, trying to think RK, yes. RKC or SFG, like they're all great. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the functional movement system and, uh, you're entering PRI. You're going to your first course with what about 20, 25 years of experience as a chiropractor. Oh man, at the time it was 32. Okay. I mean, so, I was the I was the old dog attempting to lo- learn yeah. new tricks. And and one of the disadvantages students have, I always say, and I say this tongue in cheek, but they haven't screwed up enough people. Like <laughs> one of the reasons I love it, uh, SFMA is because I screwed up a lot of people and I felt bad and I was like I can't get these people better. And then when I learned that diagnostic system and I said, "Oh, that's because I'm treating these people like they have a mobility problem and they don't. And it just totally revolutionized the way I approached the situation. Um, and, and, and because I had all that emotional baggage of screwing up friends and family and not being able to help them. Right. Right. And I, I picture you going to a PRI and uh, what was that first course like as far as I guess you just had a ton of gut instinct about stuff that were, was just massively clarified over a weekend. It was overwhelming. It was humbling. And sort of like when you dove into uh, SFMA, it was like, oh my gosh, there's a different universe here that I've been unaware of that could make such a difference. So... I was grateful uh, to get the information then, but I was also a little envious of all the students and younger people, like you mentioned, that are getting it now and implementing it from day one. And um, so when I came home from my first PRI course, I sort of went into a cocoon for six months. Oh, I had people blowing up balloons and going into 9090, but I was stunned and sort of paralyzed in a way because I was trying to figure out how to implement it to my paradigm. And I realized that, oh my gosh, I've got to change my paradigm. That's going to be a little uncertain and a little painful. Ultimately, that's what I did. Are you looking to get into the tennis crowd locally? then I would highly recommend you check out RacketFit.com. Now, RacketFit is designed by the same crew that brought us TPI, Tylos Performance Institute, but it's designed around the game of tennis. Now, if you know anything about tennis, you know that it is a fantastic pool of patience because typically tennis players can pay cash and they can come in for performance care. It's everything that you want in a patient. They show up to appointments, they're easy to deal with, and they've got money. So highly recommend you check out RacketFit.com so that you can serve those tennis players better. It's all about the assessment of uh, tennis and the moves that the players have to make, and I can't recommend it enough. So check out RacketFit.com. So what, what, when you kind of change your paradigm, if I looked at a picture of Skip's approach to a patient, you know, uh, let's say two years ago, and Skip his, uh, in the mid-90s, um, what would be the, the, the different starting point? Like what's the inherently the, the fabric you're operating with now versus what you're operating with then? Well, back then, for instance, during the 80s and 90s, we were very orthopedically minded. So in other words, you do range of motion and you're looking, you see 
see which shoulder is high, which shoulder is low, which hip is high, x-rays. Um, and you're looking at x-rays during the 80s as more of a number one um, to rule out fracture pathology, but also attempting to use that as a selling point, which uh, isn't, a, isn't very legitimate as far as I'm concerned. At this Let's point, hope that your friends from uh, you know your friends from your early days don't hear this podcast. You know, well, I don't mind if they do because back then during the eighties, the big deal is if you wanted to volume practice, you usually got a, a practice manager that coached you into how to have an efficient business and sell programs. Um, and what happens is that became a very cookie cutter approach. Now I was skilled orthopedically, uh, didn't screw anybody up badly, but then didn't teach anybody any new skills. And that was the point. Now, especially as I look at what's needed, our job is to teach people new skills. For instance, how to find and feel new places to go in their body. When I assess somebody now, I've got a whole different mindset. 90s, oh, you have a shoulder that's low, we better adjust your atlas because that's not going to make any difference. Today, I look at a human body or a person that comes in and if their shoulders are level, based upon what I know now about asymmetries, posture, position, and patterns, I may suspect it's possible that they could even be pathomechanical breathers if their shoulders are level. But we've got this old paradigm mindset that says, oh, your shoulders are level. That must be good. You've got good posture. It's a really different way of looking at things. So as I got into this process, there are two things that move a human body, air and how we manage manage air in our chest wall means of muscles. I think that's really significant by air and the diaphragm is going to position, for instance, our spine. And if we breathe 17,000 times a day, 12 to 17,000 times, that's a movement pattern. And it may be a dysfunctional movement pattern that we're unaware of. And if we're moving 17,000 times a day, I wonder, well, how's an adjustment going to overcome in the long term that movement pattern? Yeah, that single, single impulse versus uh, 17,000 impulses, right? You got it. And it's not that I don't adjust anymore, but how I, how I come to looking at patients is more... Let's find a way to examine them. There are a lot of PRI tests to do so. And some of the people that have taken a PRI course that are listening uh, know which ones I'm talking about. There's a modified Obers, a modified Thomas. Um, there are all kinds of ways to determine the position of the pelvis. And a, a typical human pattern that I saw for years was an anteriorly tipped pelvis on the left side more so and more often than, than the right side. Well, what are we going to do? Just adjust that pelvis without looking at what's driving that in terms of respiration. So that's what intrigued me about PRI. I looked at this and it blew my mind. It's like, wait a minute. How we regulate air into the chest wall, how we regulate the diaphragm, we can actually consciously affect the position of the diaphragm left to right side. That affects the entire axial skeleton all the way up into the cranium. Now you're talking. This makes sense. It's logical to me. And it's not only logical. I said, okay, I'm not going to believe anything about this PRI. I'm going to test it in my office. I'm going to challenge it. And then that's what surprised me. All of yeah, a sudden, so, so yeah. some of those early cases, because I'm going to guess some of the early ones, uh, you had a, started your approach a different way. And now kind of in the middle of care, you take a PRI course, right? And 
yeah. blows your mind. What were some of the dramatic differences you saw uh, after that? I'm, I'm, this isn't just an ad for PRI. I just love no, this I, approach yeah. to uh, the functional approach. And I could tell stories of how my approach changed in SFMA and how I just started recognizing huge differences that, I mean, it's like explaining to a fish, like, Hey, you've been swimming in water this whole time. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's this liquid that's all around you. You just didn't notice it before. And then you go to a course where they're taken out of water and they go, yeah, see that stuff in the bowl? That, that's water. I'm going to put you back in it. And then you go, oh, crap, that stuff flows through me. And then, you know, like, you're floating <laughs> it. So, uh, that's kind of how SFMA was to me. But what were some of those big changes you saw by taking that more functional approach with patients? Or can you share a dramatic story of change in somebody where you, for lack of a better term, just improve their breathing? I mean, a very... Yeah it sounds like a ridiculously simple intervention on the outside. You know, it's, I'm thinking about this one patient of mine that came in, just a lovely young woman, about 32 years old. And she loves running half marathons, two kids. And she was referred to me. She, you know, that classic story, people come to us because they've been everywhere, you know? Um, and so she'd been to PTs and had traditional adjustments with chiropractors. And so she had this chronic back pain all the time, especially with running. Not only that, but she had some pelvic floor issues. Uh, she would have some incontinence when she would laugh or giggle or run. She's only 32. And perfect marathon body. So I watched her run, and I could see that as she was running, her pelvis or walking was more oriented to the right than to the left. And her rib cage was more oriented to the left than the right as she was running. You could see it with her right hand crossing over her body and her left hand moving behind her more so than a nice balanced running gait pattern. So I started doing basic, let's reposition a pelvis. Now, I know this is going to be hard to try, to try to translate to everybody, but let's put it this way. Let's use a muscle to take an anteriorly tipped left hemipelvis or ilium, and let's posteriorly tip it to a place we call neutral by using a hamstring, by using, for instance, a 90-90 on a wall, 90-90 with a, what we call a hip lift with a hip shift, and actually engage that hamstring to reposition the pelvis, number one. Number two, there is a difference with her rib cage. Let's activate her abdominal wall on the left side more so she can actually now put her pelvis more to the left when she's in gait or running and give her better right trunk rotation versus excess left trunk rotation. She's, she's more balanced in a context of she's asymmetrical. The reason she's asymmetrical, as Lady Gaga says, she's born this way, as you and I are and everybody listening. You know, you've got a bigger, stronger diaphragm on the right side as it attaches deeper into the lumbar spine from the sternum and the rib cage. Three lobes of lung on the right, liver on the right, stronger motor pattern from the left brain. Those are just some of the few asymmetries we're born with. Nothing wrong with that. But we will have a tendency to rely on an end range on one side of our body, and you brought it up before, Josh, for stability. And I submit this real stability is a balanced function left to right side versus relying on an end range. That's more motion control. So PRI is all about saying we recognize these asymmetries in every system. Posture is not some kind of a static issue where you're winning uh, who's got the best posture standing up straight contest. It's really about recognizing you're born asymmetrical, you'll have a tendency to rely on one side of your body called lateralization, and our job is to get you to find a place of rest that is a place called neutral, which you can test for, it's pretty easy, and then be able to go back and forth, left and right, left and right, left and right. 
Now, one last thing, I don't want to ramble on too long, but when I first took my postural restoration course, uh, or first postural restoration course, James Anderson, who's just a brilliant PT, works with PRI, um, he said that walking and breathing are the same thing. That was on Saturday morning of a weekend course. And I kind of sat back skeptical saying, all right, I mean, really? And as I looked at it and saw the importance of diaphragmatic function with gait, diaphragmatic function with rib cage and spinal position, man, if chiropractors don't own respiration, then we're missing the boat. I became, I'm getting a little evangelical, I understand. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, something that, that's kind of a long-winded way of saying, how would I assess a patient? And she was one example of her pain went away, her running got better. Oh, and guess what? Her pelvic floor, her pelvic outlet became stronger Mm-hmm. as she was able to reposition her pelvis via her diaphragm. Her pelvic floor was hanging down sort of like a hammock, if you can imagine that. Mm-hmm. And as her diaphragm shape got better, especially through exhalation, the shape becomes more domed of the diaphragm. We call that a zone of apposition or a ZOA. Her pelvic floor then followed her thoracic diaphragm became more integrated versus sort of just sloppy and stuck on one side. So I hope, uh, I hope that's not too much of a long-winded uh, way to describe one example of what I thought was um, a terrific example of application of PRI. Then on, you know, with treatment, then I video her running and her running was perfectly balanced and she did it. My job is to teach her, again, how to find and feel new places to go in her body, integrate the diaphragm, find her left leg, and be able to actually get into her left leg and her right leg more or less equally. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I'll let you get up on the altar and, and praise at the choir here, buddy, because, uh, you know, taking that functional approach is what it opens up to. Instead of you looking at that pelvis and just doing a side posture adjustment three times a week for a hundred weeks, you know, yeah. um, using the, <laughs> yes. instead of trying to straighten out the bow, we're going to work on the, the string as a way. Cause the string is what shapes the bow, right? Like, I mean, in some sense, like our bones grow and lengthen our muscles, but then the, the muscles maintain tension. And if we only look at one part of those, we can't have an integrated function. We just can't. I mean, you're, you're, you're eliminating half the moving parts. So, or, or the mul- the bulk of the moving parts. I just love hearing the story about, you know, how your approach was with her because um, I'm sure for her too, it, when you make those great treatments, at least in my experience, it's not, there's not a single thing that improves. It's not just like they say, oh yeah, my pain went away. It's that you know, they'll say like, yeah, my pain went away, but also I can hit the ball 20 yards further, but also I shaved 32 seconds off every mile, but also, you know, I can do X, Y, Z that I've never been able to do. So I think that's a, that's part of the excitement there for me is, is that how, when you make those functional improvements, it affects the entire system, you know? It, it really does. And, and one thing too, at that point, I'm going to pull out my good old-fashioned Gonstead. What? Give her an adjustment, left to right, ilium, and it's yeah. like butter. It's, it's like icing on a cake, and <clears throat> both doctor and patient both say, oh, that was great. Now, you mean you don't just throw away your old tools as you learn new ones, Skip? Apply them when necessary. It's like, you know, you've got a toolbox – look at it. That's why I just love, again, going back to everything we're talking about, all these different techniques. I met Brett Winchester at the ACA Rehab Council. Uh, Shout out to Jeff Tucker. Uh, Some of your listeners know Jeff, who is the ACA Rehab Council president. But I mean, 
Brett is such a great guy and he's got such a great understanding of DNS. That's another tool. There's so many great tools. Right. Um, so I've, I've just got to, I, I got to say for all your listeners, check them out. Uh, PRI for me, by the way, can I back up on a story a little bit? Absolutely. <clears throat> After I got introduced to PRI and started taking courses, listen, my mentor and friend, Ron Horeska, who's the founder of PRI, we just hit it off. And I said to Ron, um, Ron, how come chiropractors can't get certified in, in PRI? Because they have a certification process for right. athletic trainers, for physical therapists, occupational therapists, and now for chiropractors. And he said, well, nobody asked. And I said, well, I'm asking. So we had this great meeting. It was actually down at Jeff Tucker's place in Marina Del Rey. And another friend of mine, Cole Ellis, was there. And Richard Chung uh, in uh, L.A. And we just had this great meeting of chiropractors and a physical therapist and saw the application of PRI to chiropractic. I became the first um, chiropractor to be certified. Uh, it's called a postural restoration certification. Uh, Chad Moreau up in L.A., I think Chad checks in every once in a while. He became the second Cairo. Vince Brunel this year is going to be certified. But the point is, more and more chiropractors are getting introduced to PRI. This was my journey of getting into PRI to open the door for all of us. And Ron and I were having drinks last year in New York. And both of us said we're sort of like non-denominational interdisciplinarians. It doesn't matter what's behind <laughs> your name in terms of, <laughs> right, initials. Really, the people that are progressive, whether they're PTs, DCs, ATCs, personal trainers, massage therapists, if you're progressive and, and pushing your own personal envelope, essentially we're on the same team and are uh, like-minded. is that We just want to get better and help people. Yeah. Greg Rose has a great way of saying that. And he says, if I can watch you work in your clinic and I can tell by the way you work, what your license is, you're probably not that good. That's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> well, Skip, this has been a, a great uh, story time all about like how your progression is. And it's very exciting. I think we got to say as a profession, uh, congratulations on your certification, not because um, you need to have PRI, but because it shows that no matter how much experience you have, there's still that desire to sharpen the sword and get better every, every day. So on behalf of our profession, thanks for being one of the good ones, man. Well, thank you. And, and just one last thing I wanted to mention, you know, life, I went to that first postural respiration course and was really intimidated by it. When I got my PRC, um, Ron, another guy, Mike Cantrell, Ron Ruska sat me down and said, we want you to teach postural respiration. <laughs> I was needless to say was blown away. So the two courses I teach, uh, postural respiration and a must for chiropractors is cervical revolution. That course has given me such an appreciation for our profession. And it was a PT and forget the initials behind his name. Uh, that put it together that that blends chiropractic and osteopathy and uh, occlusion and so many different disciplines in, in such a great way. So it's 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 too much fun. Well, if folks want to take that or they want to get more information about PRI or take one of your courses, where can they find that? It's easy. Just go to posturalrestoration.com. Um, there are three primary courses. Postural respiration is one. Uh, myokinematics, that is another course all about the pelvis and lumbar spine. Kairos, PTs, trainers, I mean, they're all performance, rehab, and treatment courses. And then there's the one called uh, <clears throat> pelvis restoration. Those are called three primary courses. You can do those online if you like. Uh, for most states, you can get continuing education credits. And then um, when we get back to teaching live again, um, one of the secondary courses is cervical revolution. That's one of the that's the course I teach. 
But within PRI, there are a lot of advanced courses. All this stuff is really postgraduate work. But what I like about the home study courses is that you can stop it, you can rewind it, because they are all information dense. The limitation, of course, with a home course is that you can't um, be live and get coached on techniques. But as soon as we get over this COVID thing, we'll be back with live courses. Awesome. And, you know, if anybody has questions, they can always contact me via messenger. Uh, any of your listeners, if you've got questions, lay them on me. I've got time. <laughs> so. <laughs> Very nice. Well, Skip, this has been a little slice of heaven. I want to say thanks. I appreciate you being on the podcast and sharing your story. Uh, maybe we can do this again soon and dive into other aspects of it because we kind of brushed over the early bodybuilding days, and I'd love to know if you ever ran across Franco Colombo. Uh, oh, I, I, one I'm of the most famous Fra- bodybuilding chiros of all time, right? I have yeah. stories about Franco. He is one of the he is one of the good guys. That's okay? awesome. Yeah. So and, I'd love to talk to you about that and some of the other some of the other characters uh, that I'm still in contact with from the gym. Yeah. So, but thank you, Josh. It's been a, a real pleasure getting to know you over the past couple months, and I appreciate all the podcasts you were doing and including everybody. And it's uh, it's it's a real service for all of us that are moving through. Yeah. This this whole thing started from an article I wrote, and then. And then it turns out you wrote an article, uh, kind of a, a similar vein, but what ten or fifteen years before. So, uh, oh yeah, and one last thing: if if you want to know more about PRI, go into dynamic chiropractic. Okay. I've written a bunch of stuff on the thorax, the pelvis, and the cervical spine. So it's all in dynamic chiropractic. And I did an interview with Gray Cook. Um, you know, Gray is such a for those of you who have not met Gray Cook, he is um, a ball of energy and enthusiasm yep. and smarts. Yep. And an amazing order. So. Right. So. All right. Well, okay. Skip, I really appreciate it. And on behalf of uh, Skip George down in beautiful uh, La Jolla, California, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks a lot, Skip. Take care, Josh. Take care, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. We've got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.